Good morning, All Seasons. Whew. I don't know about you, but I've been rolling. It's been a busy, busy week. Some of them are busy. This has been extreme. And uh, so trying to get here this morning, I'm on a media fast to top it off, so I don't keep up with anything. And uh, and then so last night I'm just about to get settled in at about 12 o'clock. And, uh, and at 12 o'clock I look over and say, look, i got to get up because i got to drop Caitlin off at a certain time. And Elise says, don't forget, time changes. And I was like, all right, that's the last thing I needed to hear. I lost an hour. I didn't even know I lost an hour. So I had 23 hours today to get stuff done. So hope your week is going well, productive, and, and it is, this is the fun part of where we're fixing to head into with the 40 days. Is it now we finally get to, as you're getting your sheets and picking them up, we're getting to the declaration. All the other stuff is the work to get ready for the declaration, but none of this can take place. As we talked about spiritual warfare and all of this, none of this can take place until we get the other areas of our life settled or the enemy will just destroy us. That's why Israel could not go into the promised land for those 40 years. They could not get the other areas settled. They, they could have won battles because they, they could have just done what God asked them to do, and, and they did. When, even when they were in the desert, just do what God asked you to do, and Moses has got his hands up, they're going to win battles. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that can, can you actually be the person that you're pretending to be? Can you actually be the person? Israel couldn't. It could be that way just for a little while, and then within a day they'd start complaining again or grumbling again or quitting again. This was their M.O., and God could never get that group to ever change. And so in this process, we understand that, that repentance is part of getting that out of us, acknowledging that, God, we need forgiveness, and, we, and getting used to being able to say, Lord, I, I, my bad, uh, I messed up there. Get, getting good at, hey, I, I didn't do that right. It's, it's, not, it's nothing wrong. We're all human. And, and, if, and if I've learned anything, I will hurt your feelings. I, I'm, I'm, I roll at about 1,000 miles an hour. And so if the best way to, to be with me is just latch on because me chasing you won't happen. It just, it just can't happen. I'm already three projects behind. And so, so understanding that, that I will hurt your feelings, not meaning to, not, not intentionally. It just happens because I'm rolling. And as I'm rolling, that's just, that's just the way God built me. And so I understand I have to go back and it's like, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Uh, I, I should have done that differently. I should have said that differently. I should have. Okay. And in understanding that, now we start the process of sanctification, allowing God to change and transform and, and to do things different in us. The only reason I'm up here today is because of transformation. If you know me and my personality, I don't, I don't like crowds. I don't, I don't like being on a stage. I don't like any of that stuff. And God says, I've got to transform you into the person that I need you to be. I need to transform, not just always bad stuff. It's not just quitting cigarettes or something that we think of as like, oh, it's hard. It's, it's a lot of times the biggest issues we have in our life are our personality issues. The issues that keep holding us back. Some of us that are, that are not, uh, extroverted in any way. And so learning how to, to do certain things that God wants us to do, we got to come out of our, our shell. That's what makes this society so hard because if you're an introvert already and you can do everything online and everything by your phone and you can play your game all by yourself in a room, it, it becomes even harder to, to get someone to come out of a shell. 
And so then I learned to listen. I learned then to walk with God, to transform, allow God to transform me by His Word. He's renewing me, growing me, making me everything I want to be. So now, after I get all of that together, God says, great, now we're ready for a battle. We're ready to fight. You're listening to me, not to the enemy. You're moving, you're going. You're, if you make a mistake, you're repenting. If, if You're allowing me to transform your life. Man, you've got this thing going. And so now we go into battle. And last week we learned about going into the battle of our lives and, and, and how we are to war. And, and it's not a physical war, it's a spiritual war. That's why this is so important. Because the enemy's not going to attack you from the physical, he's going to attack you from the spiritual. The physical is just going to happen. That's just part of life. You're going to get sick, you're, but it's not getting sick. It's the spiritual side of it that takes you out. It's not that, that I have a knee that gives me problems. That's not the problem. It hurts every day, and especially with all this rain and all the winter time we've had, I, I'm, I am just, it's like somebody had mentioned yesterday, it's just bone on bone. I said, I'm the best weatherman there is right now. I said, I can tell you when clouds are coming. I, I can tell you. And so the fact is, that, that's a physical, okay? If it's like, well, my knee hurts today, so I'm just going to be in a bad mood. Or, or my knee hurts today, so I'm just going to be grouchy. My knee, no, it's a spiritual battle. I have to decide then, since I am in this spiritual battle, yes, the physical is always going to be there, but it's the spiritual that will override it. It's the spiritual that allows me to win. Okay, so that's a quick recap. But let's get into today, which is starting to declare the declarations that we need to learn to declare. Go with me to Psalms 22, and we're going to talk today about praise. We'll be on praise this week and next week, understanding praise in your life and the process of praise and what praise does. Praise is, is the most powerful tool you have in your arsenal. Now, we know about the others because we learned those earlier. And we'll cover those. In fact, there are four basic tools that you have in this spiritual warfare. And so as you pull up Psalms 22, go with me to verse 3, and let's look at this. But you are holy, enthroned in the what? Praises of Israel. We will learn in another passage, he just says he, he encompasses or, or he, he settles in the praises of his people. God moves toward praise. In fact, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and God, he comes on wings of praise. Praise is what he habitates. It, it, it is the habitation in which he looks. When, when, when David built the temple and Solomon built a temple, as we get to the New Testament, which temple is the one that God's looking for? David's. Why? Because it was the temple of praise. It, it was not, it didn't have all the, the, the pretty gold. It didn't have all the ornaments, but it had praise. God said, I don't need a house. House is not what I'm, I'm you, there's no house you can build for me that will contain me, but I will show up where there's praise. In fact, the most mightiest time the temple ever saw was when Solomon himself was dedicating the temple. Not any other service, not some great Sunday preaching or Saturday service that they had. It was never a time that some uh, uh, person, a Pharisee, or anybody ever stood up and preached a sermon that God just failed. But listen to me, on the day they dedicated and they began to sacrifice and they began to praise and they began to worship, it was the most powerful service that ever took place in that temple. Because God said, I'm not worried about the simple fact that you've got this building what I want is a place where I can inhabit, a place where I can show up in the middle of your life, in the middle of your problems. And so go with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 and 12. 
Let me show you the four and three of the first ones that we'll talk about. When we talk about our tools, our arsenal, let me just give them to you real quick. First, it's the Word of God. When I go into battle, I first have the Word of God. Listen to what it says. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my... What he told Jeremiah as a young man, he said, Jeremiah, here's all I need you to do. Tell me what you see. He said, here's what I see. Speak what I tell you to speak. And, and, and here's all I'm going to do. Whatever you see and speak, whatever I give to you and you speak, I am ready to perform the word that I'm putting into you. You didn't write the Bible. That God doesn't need you to rewrite the Bible. God doesn't need you to retranslate the Bible. He doesn't need you to come up with another version of the Bible. And somebody else will to try to make it sound a little better to them. But the fact is, that's not the problem. The problem is, can you just read the Bible, hear the Bible, listen to the Bible, and believe that the God that you serve, there's power in what you're saying. There's power in that word. There's power in what you're speaking. So that God then is performing the moment you speak. When we pray for people, we speak the word that God talks about healing, and he talks about laying hands upon the sick and praying one for... When we mention all that, it's not so that we can just kind of kill a few minutes before we pray. No, it is establishing the word because God says, Tim, speak my word. Before you do anything, speak my word. And then when you do it, I am ready to perform it. Look at the person beside you and say, God is looking over his word. The second thing that we find is that we have the name of Jesus. Go with me to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Here's what it says. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. Notice how he describes that. He says things above the earth, things in the earth, even things under the earth. Do you think that covers the coronavirus? He pretty much, he's trying to just give you every area. Well, you know, he didn't talk about stuff that's in the ground. No, no, he talks about the stuff in the ground, the stuff in the air, the stuff above the air. Every area of your life, God says, I have given a name that at that name, it's more powerful than anything you're facing. That you can use the name of Jesus. Not only do you have my word, but you can say my word and then say, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking this. In the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm asking this. In the name of Jesus, I'm believing for this. I, 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 that it creates within us two powerful tools. Number three is that we have the blood of Jesus. Go with me in your Bibles to Revelations 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. It's just, he says, let me just simplify it as simple as I can. He said, you are an overcomer by the blood that has been applied to your life. That the blood of Jesus is a powerful tool in your life. And the word of your testimony. What is the other two? His word and speaking the name of. So if you want to overcome in life, if you want to overcome in life, these three are your, are your first three priority tools. But I want to show you today the fourth one that to me is more powerful than the others. To me, it is more powerful because there's a lot of people in church and sitting and says, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that can quote scriptures. There's a lot of people that can go through the, the formality of a religion. 
But listen to me, there is one cutoff that separates everybody else from those who see God move in their life. And it's this simple concept. Can you praise Him for it? It is the ability to praise that separates you from all the others. That's why God says, listen, it's great that you're speaking my name. It's great, but I inhabit the praises of my people. If you want my presence in your church, if you want my presence in your home, if you want my presence in your life, here's how I operate. Praise me. Praising me is the avenue by which you're going to find it. Let me, let me show you some scriptures. Go to Psalms 149 and 6. Let's travel a little bit. Psalms 149 and 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their... Now, we know what the sword is. That's our, our words. That's what we're speaking. But he said, listen to me. I don't want you just to have the word. Let the high praises be in their mouth. Well, hold on now. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Because we're supposed to speak. Even Jesus in Revelation is described as having a sharp two-edged sword coming out that the words that we speak are like a two-edged sword. Well, then how do we, how do we speak something, the word, and then at the same time, we have the word of praise in our mouth because those two have to connect for it to work. They will not work independently of each other. That's why some of the greatest preaching you ever hear comes from, from a lot of, lot of different areas, uh, from Baptist, Methodist, wonderful preaching. I, I, I pick a lot of times, I'll, I'll hear certain preachers, and I'll think, you know, if that dude right there had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he would be dangerous. Why? Because he has the word. He has a great ability to, to, to present it. He has one. But the problem is there is no praise of power. There is no praise in his mouth. It is simply a word. It is simply years of learning a word. It's simply years of learning theology. It's simply a, and it's nothing wrong with that. It goes along with it, but without the praise attached to it. In fact, listen to me. I would rather have the praise than the theology. If I have to choose, and I hope I never do. I hope I can keep mixing the two. I hope I can preach deep sermons and at the same time preach powerful sermons. But listen to me. If I have to go back, I want what my dad had. And my dad was not a theologian. My dad could not uh, uh, pronounce all the words. In fact, he just skipped over most of them and everything. But, but if anybody was sick in the house, if anybody had problems in the house, it was no problem for my dad to say, well, let's pray. Let's just get it. Let's get that taken care of. And, and they would crank up the music. And when they crunk up the music and they started playing, Playing Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. And man, that start. And man, dad was on. I'm thinking, he don't know what he's doing. But man, people are getting healed, delivered. That marriage got fixed. What's happening? Because listen to me, God inhabits praise. And when you can mix praise and the Spirit of God with knowledge of the Word and who Jesus is, you become a formidable foe for the enemy. Just, just putting scriptures on a board and hanging them in your house will not keep the devil away. He won't even keep him out of your bathroom where you hang them. I mean, that's, that's, that's just kind of tough sometimes. You go into the bathroom and there's scriptures hanging. I'm like, this just don't seem like the place for, 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 for scriptures. But the fact is, in our lives, those two have to mix. Go with me to Psalms 50 and verse 23. Psalms 50 and 23. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. He said, listen to me. 
whoever offers praise, you're glorifying me. You're, you're bringing me into it. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. God says, I'm going to show, I'm going to save the day. I'm not asking you to do it. I will do it. But you, you've got to learn to praise. And you can't praise just because it's good. You've got to learn to praise when you're not sure you're going to pass the test. You've got to praise God when you're not sure that, that everything at home is going to work out. You, you've got to learn to praise in the middle of it. And that's what separates. That's the biggest separation from people who see God move and those who do not. Most of them are pretty equally knowledgeable, but it is the praise that separates you. Go with me to Psalms 100 in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with what? So let's, let's, let's see how we did today. When you, when you drove up in the parking lot, you were, you were just saying, man, I am so thankful for all the things God has given me. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful I got up this morning. You weren't fussing at each other coming into the driveway. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't mad because you lost an hour of sleep. You were, you were thankful that God has given you all that He's given you. This is how you enter God's presence. And He says, and when you get past that, and when you get out of your car and you start to enter into the sanctuary, how are we to enter? Praise. Praise. There ought to be sounds of, of people laughing, of, of people sharing testimony, people uh, shouting out like, praise the Lord. Man, great to hear that. Hey, how you doing? I, I know our culture today, I just seem like, oh, we need to be a lot more. No, then you're contrary to what God says. God says, you want my presence? Then praise me. Get your thankfulness out in the car. Don't get out of the car until you're like, okay, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful that I... And, and then when you get out of the car, put that smile on and get your... It's not about you. It's not about you getting your blessing. It's not about Pastor Lot preaching such a good sermon that it's going to pull you out of all your dump. You came this morning, I hope Pastor Lot preaches something good, because I'm telling you, it's just been horrible. And, it's, and, and No, you are to bring praise. It is your requirement. And enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That's what we do. So the question is, how'd you do this morning? How, how, how did you get up this morning? How did you get going this morning? Oh, bro, I'm not. Well, then guess what? That's why right now it's so hard to turn the page. It's so hard middle ways through the sermon to say, okay, I got to come on now. We got to got to I should have got a cup of coffee. I should. No, it's it, it, you're you're way past the game. When they were singing this morning, we we don't we don't start off the service with with twenty minutes, thirty minutes, whatever of singing just so it kills time for, before Pastor Lot gets ready. It's not that we do that just to kind of give people a chance to get out of their cars. Oh, they're starting to sing. We need to hurry up and get in there. Church is starting. No, church started when you got out of your car. Church started when you got in your car. Church started when you were thankful this morning. And then when you were thankful, you started praising. And by the time the music started, that music is already radiating with the music that's in you. And now it's automatic. Man, the music now, let's get this thing going. I'm telling you, I'm glad somebody's ready to praise with me. That's why stories in our Bible like Acts 16, Acts 16, verses 22 through 25. Then the multitude rose up together against them. This is Paul and Silas. And then the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. 
And when they had laid many stripes on them, they were through into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the innermost parts of the prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Not a good situation. You've got very little skin left on your back. Clothes, basically you're naked, just about to the point you just barely have enough clothes to cover yourself. They've ripped your clothes off. They've beat you with rods. They put you in prison. It's bad enough just to be in prison. Now you are stretched out and put in stocks so that you cannot even scratch. You can't, you can't deal with the wounds. You can't do anything. So there you are. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. That's, that's the first part to know who Jesus is, to know I, I know the word of God, to, to know the blood of God. We, we, we've got that. We were praying and singing. It has to be mixed with what? Look at the person beside you and say, how's your praise life? Quickest way to quit liking me? Quickest way to quit liking me. Just quit praising. Quickest way to quit liking your wife, husband, quit praising. Quickest way to anything you want to stop, just quit praising. The moment you quit praising it, it's on the death row. Whatever you're praising, whatever you're lifting up, that's why one of the biggest commandments is not to covet. When we, we think of coveting, we're thinking of, well, I wish I had so-and-so's this, and I wish I had their house. And I No, no. Coveting is when we're stopping to be thankful for what we already have, the house we already have. Because until you aren't thankful for what you have, you don't even notice what somebody else has. It didn't start with covetousness. It started with praise. Jesus, when he was trying to get people to, to understand this and preaching the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he was saying. He said, you've heard that, you know, if you, if you cheat or you, you, you divorce or you do these things, oh, you're a bad person. But I tell you that if you're already looking at somebody's wife, if you're already doing these certain, and he goes back a little further. What's he saying? If you're already stopped being thankful in your heart for what you have and you're already looking at other things and already complaining about other things, you already have set up in your heart a disconnection between you and God. That's what got the Pharisees so upset because they were like, well, we're doing all we're supposed to do, but we don't have a true connection. And he says, that's the problem. And for a lot of us in here, our problem is we knew how to do all the things, but there's no true connection. There's no true praise. And Paul and Silas, not because of the situation, but simply because it was at midnight and what else are you going to do? What else are we going to turn to? Who else are we going to trust? What are we going to put our minds on? They said, we're going to put our minds on Scripture. We're going to put our minds on the Word. We're going to put our minds on God. And we're going to praise Him. And by doing that, the Bible says a great earthquake took place. I don't know what kind of spiritual earthquake it was. It didn't just shake the building. It made the stocks fall off. It made the doors open. It made everything happen. But I'll tell you this much. The people who were in the other cells who were listening to Paul and Silas, whatever Paul and Silas were preaching that night and whatever songs they were singing that night, it must have been pretty good because every, every criminal in that place, every person that had robbed, stole, killed, done whatever, they decided we're not running for the door, we're running to Paul and Silas's cell because whatever they got in there is a lot better than whatever we found out there. And so that becomes your power, is your praise. You say, I, I wish my kids, start praising in front of them. Well, I wish my job, start praising. I wish things would, start praising. 
Quit regurgitating your problem. Put on a spirit of praise. Praise is one of your most powerful weapons. Go with me to James 6 and 20. I don't have a 6. 1 and 20. Sometimes when I'm scribbling stuff down. For the wrath of God does not produce, does not produce the what? The wrath of man does not produce. In other words, when we are trying to make ourselves, force ourselves, you can't force it. It's not a religious activity. It is simply a belief mixed with praise. All that we've done here is to build belief. If I've built what I've built correctly here in my repentance, in my listening to God, in my sanctification, in my battling and going through battles with God, then what it has produced is not Tim Lott saying, you know what, I'm I'm just going to make myself better. No, it says, listen, Tim, praise is what makes you better. Praise is the result. It is your greatest weapon. Go with me to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20, verses 15 through 17. Jehoshaphat, the, the, the king, was in an enormous battle. And I could go all through the Bible with, with these stories, but I just want to cover enough of them. And he said, listen, all you Judah. And this is what God told Jehoshaphat to do. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but... That's not how he says this. Go back, go back to the scripture. And to you, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed of this great multitude. Everything I've done is set up the battle. Everything you've done, that that's why sometimes it, it's it's almost like we didn't expect it. It's like, bro, Pastor, I've been, I've been doing right, and I've been living right, and it seems like everything's gone wrong since I started living right. Duh. That is the purpose. You mean the purpose is so everything will go haywire? Yes. That, that's, that's what happens. You were just living in chaos, and because you were part of chaos, it didn't seem like no big deal. If, if, if somebody... One of your buddies messed up or something happened or, or somebody wrecked their car because they got drunk or whatever. To, you just laughed about it because you were all living in chaos. Now, all of a sudden, he says, listen, don't be dismayed now and don't, don't be disheartened now. Everything you've done is done what? Because of this great multitude. For the battle, the, the fight is whose? It's God. It's not yours. All of this has set you up for a spiritual battle that's not yours to win. It's mine to win. But you have done everything you're supposed to do, and you're standing now in the battlefield. And listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. Okay. We are fixing to fight. God's fixing to give us deliverance. They will surely come up by ascent of Aziz. And to you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to you will not need to fight in this battle. Look at that person beside you and say, you got to go to the fight. You got to be ready to fight, but you won't fight. That's the spiritual war that we battle. It's like it's like you you got to go down to the school and talk to somebody about your kids. I've had to do it a few times. It's just part of life. 
So two days before, you're like, oh, I got that meeting with that teacher. I got a meeting with somebody. I got a meeting at school. And oh, Lord, it's, you got to do what? You got you to go to battle. You got you got you got to get ready, get dressed, go down to battle to fight for what you believe that God has put in you is right, and we've got to stand for what's right, and we got we got to do this, and I don't care what happened, we're going to stand, we're going to do. It. And you know how you talk yourself into? I'm telling you, what we're going to do? I don't care. We have to move the kids, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do whatever we got to do. We're going. I'm going to pray. Ain't nobody going. Then you have to walk in, and you're you're like, oh, okay, God, give me strength, give me. But by the time you get in there, what's already happened? God's already gone before you. I remember having one meeting, and, and it was years ago with a teacher and, and a superintendent, somebody. And when I walked in, I'd already been, Lord, I dread this meeting. I dread this. As soon as we got to talking, it, it was like, Lord, it don't look like, you know, it's just, ugh. And all of a sudden, I just, I just started sharing, and I started crying. And I'm like, this is not good. It's not the way I need this battle to go. And I'm, I'm crying. And immediately, they looked over at me and said, it's no problem. We got it. And I was like, I need to cry more often. It doesn't work on my wife as well. I cry. It just She's like, quit crying. Big baby, quit crying. But what it was is, God, I can't win these battles. Anybody ever get to that point? It's just like walking through the house and crying is all you know to do. You, you, don't, you don't know how to fix the problem. God says, I need you to get dressed. I need you to go to war. I need you. But don't worry. You will not have to fight this battle. I'm going before you. You will not need to fight. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that what all the scriptures have said? That if we glorify God, He will see His salvation. That's His promise. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Skip with me to verse, I believe verse 20. We're not going to cover it all. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people and appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures. He said, we're going out to battle. God's already done told us it's not ours. God's already said that we're not going to have to fight, so there's no sense in worrying about fighting. So we got the army, we got everybody dressed, we got everybody, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the praise team up front. Because God's done said we're not going to, and, and, and if he says we're not going to fight, then we're not going to have to worry about this. We're going to put the praise team up front, and we're just going to praise our way into battle. And they're the ones that's going to lead us out. Now, if you were on the praise team, you were surely hoping God showed up. Because you did not have a sword. You, you, you had timbrels, you, you had horns, you had whatever. The guy beating the drums is like, you know, I'm trying to keep rhythm here. I'm sure. But you're going out and you're like, oh, we're going for it. Yeah, praise and praise him in the beauty of his soul. Praise him because his mercies endure. Praise him because he cannot fail. Praise him. Give him glory. Right there when the enemy's looking at you. Right there when you're in the prison. Right there when you're going through the difficult time. Right there when it doesn't look like things are going your way. Being able to praise is the difference. Of all the tools in my life, I can quote Scripture. I can, I can do other things. I can, But I'm going to tell you, at my lowest points in my life, when nobody is there and nobody can say the right thing, it is praise that is my most powerful tool. It is praise 
that sets it apart. Go to Joshua 6 and 20. I want to show this to you and I'll be through. Joshua 6 and 20. We talk about the battle of Jericho and and don't worry, we're not going to do no Jericho marches. It worked for them, but God has never told me to do it. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city. God does some weird things. And this is one of those moments, it's, it's, it's an odd thing. But not really if you look at it. Because remember now, he's trying to teach them that I will fight your battles. So he, he gets them to this city, the very first city, and, and the wall is too thick to go through it. They can race chariots on the thickness of this wall. It, it is too tall. It is too high. There's no way to scale it. There's no way to get over it. It's an impenetrable enemy. Sound like your mother-in-law, your problem, your job, your kids, your life? Brother Lot, it's just it's too big. It's too much. And God looks at them and says, good, I want you to be real quiet. And I want you to look at it for seven days. I want to test you in something. I want you to walk around and just look at it. Think about walking around that thing like you, you walk around like, ain't a crack in it. There's no way to get in it. There's, there's, why are we walking around this thing? I mean, what are we going to do? We need to be building ladders. We need, to be, we need to be coming up with a strategy. We need to be, no, just walk around it. Just keep walking around it. See, the Jericho march is really a mixed-up march. That's the problem. That's why they don't work anymore. Because when they were walking around the wall, it wasn't like a Jericho march like we think of it. Like, we're going to walk around the... That was not the way they walked. They walked for seven days looking at an impenetrable problem. What would be accurate for us is to say, I want you to be quiet for seven days, and I want you to take a picture of the thing that you can't defeat, the, the, the son that you can't get saved, the, the situation that you can't. I want you for seven days to just say, that would be your Jericho march. I want you just to look at it. Don't say nothing. Just look at it. You want a Jericho march, that's a Jericho march. Don't say nothing. Don't play any music. Don't just, just look at it. And then on the seventh day, we're going we're gonna to walk around it seven times. We're going to walk around it enough where we know it. But on that last time, we're going to turn toward it. And when you finally do say something, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to talk about it like your grandfathers and your fathers, how big it is. You're not going to open your mouth and say, we can't defeat it. You're not going to open your mouth and say, we're just like grasshoppers. You're not going to do like your dads did. No, this time when you turn toward it and you look at it, you're going to shout a shout of praise at it. You're going to look right at it and say, with the loudest voice you got, you're not bigger than my God. You're going to look right at it with the loudest voice you've got, greater is He that's in me. You're going to look right at it and you're going to say, no weapon formed against me can prosper. You are going to praise a praise to a God who is going to win your battles who is going to carry you through this whole Canaan land and win one battle after another battle and against cities and against giants and against people you can't defeat. But you're going to go ahead and establish how it's all going to happen, that it's going to happen because, yes, I saw the problem. Do you know what you're up against? I walked around it seven times and then seven more times. I, I know the problem. I've looked at the problem. I but when I look at the problem, I can only say one thing. My God is greater. Will you stand? So after seven days... This word shout 
This word shout, it's used all throughout the Bible, and it's translated one way. It's translated in one specific way. It doesn't mean just a holler. The interpretation is a sacrifice of joy. When, when we come to sing and we come to raise our hands in praise, it is not that we are singing. It's not how good your voice is. And listen to me, this is hard for some of us because we're like, I'm not a singer. God doesn't need a singer. He needs a voice. That's just, that's just not me. It, it's got nothing to do with whether it's you. It's called a sacrifice. There's nobody in this room that's more withdrawn, introverted, and could be than me. And God says, Tim, you are not exempt Lord, you know, that's just not my personality. I don't care if it's your personality. You are not exempt, son. There is only one way for my presence to enter into your situation. Whether it's Joshua, whether it's Jehoshaphat, whether it's Paul and Silas, your praise, your praise is a necessity. And you've got to praise me, not with your ability, not with your beauty of your voice, but you've got to praise me from the sacrifice of joy. They had looked at that wall for seven days and they had decided that God, God was bigger than their wall. That wall didn't come down because they shouted at it. That wall came down because they could shout. Because the wall did not scare them anymore. That's what praise does. This morning, as we gather, as we do during this time of prayer. It's different now. This, this week and next week is going to be, it's going to be different. It's, it's a whole lot easier when we're all just standing up here and it's like, Lord, forgive me if I've done anything. Lord, forgive me. I know I said, okay. It's even, it's even easier than when we can kind of like, I need y'all to pray for me. I, I'm struggling with some stuff. and that, That's not too hard. Because if we're, we're struggling with something, we're hurting it. You know, even us men that are stubborn, we'll finally go to a doctor if we hurt bad enough. And yeah, I, I need to start reading my Bible. I need to start. But I'm going to tell you where it's hard. It's hard when somebody says, what we're going to do is we're just going to praise. We're going to look at our situations and we're just going to praise. I told you, for me, I would bring my stuff. Why is it so important, Brother Lot? Because like I said, you've got to be able to look at it and know that your God is bigger. This is a picture of me and my family. It's just one I got. I'll try to get a better one. It's one I had. And so, this is, is God's way. I was there last night at 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock, still praying over this. Still working on the floors, watching people walk up and down the street. Like, God, that's a huge problem. That's, that's enormous. This is all seasons, not the building. The picture just represents all the people that, that I'm supposed to give good advice to and counsel and be a friend and be as perfect as I can be so it gives you the opportunity to believe you can be perfect 
A little bit of responsibility comes with it. A little bit of weight. So it's a huge problem. In my life, these three are the catalyst for my life. They're the things that God says, Tim, look at them. Look at them. And answer the question I've asked you all through your life. Especially for the last 20-something years. It's been the most difficult question. I had a chance to eat with someone this week, and I, I gave them the same proposition. And they just they looked at me like, like, I know it sounds simple, but it's not. Because the hardest thing you'll ever do is decide whether God's big enough. Whether you can actually give God something and walk away from it and actually believe God can fix it. And you're not always in the middle of it, always dying in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like we're better Christians when we're dying with it. It's like, God, look at me now. I'm just, you know, I'm trying. God said, I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to praise me for it. You, you don't win battles. I do. It, it may seem like you're doing great. And I used to be that way, man. I would love people and eat half-eat cooked chicken and, and do things and think to myself, God, look at me now. I, nobody's suffering like I am. Look at what I'm having to eat. Look at where I'm. And God's like, I didn't ask you to do that. I never told you to do any of that. I need you to look at the problem, Tim. And acknowledge it's, it's huge. It's too big for me. And then look at it long enough where you can finally shout. And you can declare, my God is bigger than you are. My God's stronger than you. So this morning, if you say, Pastor, I got my pictures. I got my stuff. Then I, I want you to come down. And I want you to put them. If you... I want everybody to come. Everybody, because we're fixing to praise. But if even if you didn't bring your picture today, hey, that's a good thing. You didn't have anything that really bothered you. Man, you've got a great life. I hope one day I get there. But I want everybody to step out right now. Just come on. As they're fixing to lead us in praise here in a second. And if you need pens, I bought a couple of them. Is everybody just gathering around? Hey, I'm going to be preaching this for next week too. So if you say, I forgot my photos, I forgot, then you got next week. Or even better, if it really means something to you during this week, just swing by here sometime this week and stick it up. The doors are usually open here. Just stick it up. Say, hey, I need to bring by a photo that I needed to make sure is on the wall. Because for the next two weeks, I'm going to be praying over these and we're going to be praying over these because... It doesn't mean that anything's horribly wrong. It may be, may not. It's not about that. It just means, God, this is the mountain in front of me. This is the wall in front of me. This is the, the thing that's too big for me that only you, that only you can do. And so the hard thing is, is that whether it's our personality or not, and I understand, believe me, I understand. I don't, but God says now, You've got to praise me. You've got to come out of your comfort zone and you've got to praise me. Give me the definition for shout. 
If I say I shouted, what's the definition for shout? You made a loud noise. Look at the person beside you and say, you can't shout without making a loud noise. You can't shout without making a loud noise. Now, that, that, that made about 12 people are like, oh, Lord, what in the world? It's not, I, I've done told you, it's not, it's not about it. It's whether your personality. I'm talking about getting out of your comfort zone and creating ability to win battles. Battles that are taking place in your mind. Battles that are taking place where the enemy is trying to set up shop in you and set up shop in your life. And God says, listen to me, this is how we fight our battles. I know it seems unorthodox to the world. If you want to do it the world's way, then you just ignore your battles and go shout at the football game. Your life can be a total mess, but just shout at the foot. You're going to shout about something that's exciting. Me, I can shout at my problems. The world can't do that. I can praise in the middle of my problems. So the praise band's going to lead us, and, and, and they're just going to lead us in this song, and we're going to worship I want you to think about that thing. Maybe it's in your life, the thing that's frustrating you, the thing that seems like the enemy's pounding you with. Put it in your mind. You say, bro, I don't want to. Put it in your mind. And then praise your way and realize, my God is bigger than you. You ready? Lead us, praise team. You ready? Just with everything you got, just everything you got. You say, bro, that's with everything you got, just, just shout. On the count of three, we just just think about that issue and just say, I'm shouting because my God has a future for my life. He has a plan. This is not going to take me out. This is not taking me under. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. One, two, three. I don't have to say give the devil fits because right now that's what you're doing. You're dismissed. God bless you.